Well, good morning again, congregation. It is such a blessing to be with you this morning and a blessing to get to bring the word to you all. So if you forgot, last week was Easter Sunday, which I hope you didn't forget about, but just as a reminder, an Easter Sunday is a triumphant day where Christ rose from the grave and all things were made new. So clearly this should be a sign that coming back from Easter, we should be starting a new series, right? Well, Pastor Stephen and I have decided to spend a few more weeks in Jesus' parables. And this doesn't mean that we are simply reverting back to what we were doing before Holy Week came in and disrupted the schedule. Not at all. Actually, I hope that in light of Easter Sunday, we can be reading these parables with maybe a new view and understanding in the knowledge of the good news of Christ's resurrection and his victory over sin and death. And it's with this understanding that I hope with we engage today's text. Let's pray before we read. Living God, help us to hear your holy word with open hearts so that we may truly understand, and understanding that we may believe, and believing that we may follow in all faithfulness and obedience, seeking your honor and glory in all that we do. Through Christ our Lord, amen. Now, I'm going to ask you all to do something you probably don't hear very often from the pulpit, and I promise I'll explain very soon. But for now, I ask you to, if you have your Bibles open, actually close them or put them to the side of you on, uh, on, the, on the seat. Or if it's still in the pew before you, just leave it there. I ask you this morning to just simply listen to these words from Scripture. Our text today comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 14, verses 16 through 24. Hear these words. A certain man was preparing a great banquet, and he invited many. And he sent his servant at the hour of the banquet to tell those who had been invited, Come, that now everything is ready. And they began as one all to offer excuses. The first man said to him, I bought a field, and I need to go out and see it. I beg you, have me excused. And another man said, I bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm going to test them out. I beg you, have me excused. And another man said, I married a woman, and because of this, I cannot come. And when the servant returned, he reported these things to his master. Then the master of the house grew angry and said to his servant, Go out quickly into the squares and the streets of the city, and those who are poor, and disabled and blind and lame, bring in here. And the servant said, Lord, what you commanded has been done, and still there is room. And the master said again to the servant, Go out to the roads and the lanes and compel them to come in so that my house may be filled. For I say to you that not one of those who were invited will taste my banquet. This is the word of the Lord. If you're itching to pick up your Bibles or to follow along the text or read it for yourself, you can do so from here on out. And the reason I asked you to keep them closed is a simple one. Jesus told these stories. He did so to an audience, to friends, to adversaries, to disciples, and whoever else would listen. Reading the text is super important, don't get me wrong. Much of my seminary journey is reading biblical texts in so many other books. That's important. But sometimes we forget to simply listen to these stories and the way in which they were presented. 
Now, this parable is both a beautiful one and a challenging one, as is the case with most parables, if we're being honest. The crux of this parable is a simple one. God invites, beckons, and pursues his people to join in the banquet that has been prepared. And while this is the beautiful part, the parable also makes clear that we must respond to this invitation and do so quickly. Now, when reading of this parable, the first thing that came to mind concerning this theme of invitations was concerning weddings. Having been married just a few short years ago, I'm well aware of the time and effort that gets put into save the dates, formal invitations, receiving RSVPs, and everything else that comes along with it. And we'll return to this illustration in just a minute, but another illustration and story that came to mind even more is one that maybe some of you can relate to a little bit more especially the parents of young kids. So when I was in elementary school, birthdays were a huge deal. As long as I could remember, everyone's birthday in the class was somewhere in the classroom, usually on a bulletin board that we could always be looking at. So every time that a birthday was coming somewhat close, a week or two away, my classmates and I would start getting really excited for two specific reasons. The first reason was we started wondering as a class what kind of snack was gonna be brought in by the parents of the kid. Every once in a while you'd have that parent who brings in maybe some like a vegetable tray or some orange slices. Yeah, we, we didn't really want that as elementary school kids. We'd get excited like the Little Debbie snacks or like something really chocolatey. So that's where some of the excitement came from. But if the person whose birthday was coming up was a close enough friend, what you were really excited about was the glorious birthday party invitation. So as the day got closer, the excitement, or perhaps the dread, if you were like kind of a friend, but maybe not really, you don't know if you're on the invite list, it would continue to grow until the birthday either came and went, or one day you'd receive a glorious envelope with the glorious birthday party invitation. And if you received one of these, it would inevitably all you could think about all day. The food, the hanging out, the gifts, all of it. Yet getting home was the real test. As an elementary school student, I didn't really know what the schedule was for my family, so I couldn't really say in, like, in the moment that, oh yeah, I can go or I can't go. So I had no idea what the schedule looked like, so it came time to ask the parents. Before they could even ask me how my day was or my shoes were even off of my feet, the envelope would be out of the backpack and into the hands of my parents. But then came the dreaded moments of silence and more silence. Oh no, we're busy that day, aren't we? Or perhaps the dreaded problem for a pastor's kid, the invitation said that there was a sleepover planned from Saturday night into Sunday. And since the Sunday is the Lord's day, automatic no for me. It was very unfortunate as a kid. Too many sleepovers were planned Saturday night. And more silence would happen. And then finally, sometimes my parents would tell me that we were free, that I could go. I was in. Not only was I invited to this birthday party, but I could go. Now, friends, shouldn't it be with this level of excitement that we read this story in Scripture? This invitation here in Luke 14 is far greater than any invitation we could ever ask or ever receive, no matter how cool the birthday party ended up being. Our parable, however, isn't so simple. Despite this invitation being a grand one, some refuse, some say no. Now within this parable, we have quite a few different characters who respond in different ways to this invitation, and we're gonna take a look at them together. 
If you were here many weeks ago, Pastor Stephen spoke on the parable of the prodigal son. And in doing so, he asked us to see ourselves as the character of the prodigal son, the ways in which we've gone away from the father, the ways in which we've maybe not been so uh, responsible with our possessions. But he didn't stop there, and he asked us to also see ourselves as the older brother, the one who stayed but perhaps didn't have a very good heart posture, who was doing things out of obligation and duty and not out of love. And we'll be doing something similar this morning, looking at these characters, and I hope that together we can imagine ourselves as these people, perhaps coming to a fuller understanding of who we are in light of God's word. Now, the first group of people we have to look at this morning are those who offered excuses. The ones who got the glorious birthday party invitation could go and yet still some, some, for some reason said no. Maybe they didn't have the right costume if it was a themed birthday party. Maybe they didn't have a right gift to bring along. Or maybe the tough road that had to be walked to the banquet hall was just a little too daunting. As I read aloud the text this morning, I tried to play around with how each of these individuals offered their excuses. Perhaps one was extremely genuine in their request. Something came up last minute that really needed to be seen to and simply could not wait. I bought a field and I need to go out and see it. I beg you, have me excused. Perhaps the second excuse giver, seeing that the first was able to get out of attending so easily, crafted their own excuse fumbling with the words, blundering on. I, I bought five yoke of oxen, and I, I'm going to test them out. I beg you, have, have me excused. And like the first, they failed to attend that which they'd been invited to. And then we come to the third, a man that was perhaps quite forgetful of their schedule, especially since another big event had apparently just occurred in their life. Joyfully, for his mind was on other things, he says... I married a woman, and because of this, I cannot come. He doesn't even ask to be excused. He just flat out tells the servant that he's not going to make it. And you know what? I can respect that at least a little bit. He was upfront and blunt with his excuse. Yet as intriguing as it might be to ponder why these men couldn't attend or how they offered their excuses, they all end up in the same boat, and they don't get to taste of the master's banquet. You might be thinking that this really wasn't that big of a deal. So what? Today we see last-minute excuses pop up probably all the time. Such occurrences are annoying, sure, but it's not often seen as a huge deal. Yet in Jesus' day, refusing a summons like this would be seen as quite the offense, perhaps even insulting to the master in his household. At least in our day, cell phones exist. A quick call or text can usually clear the air between two parties if someone's not where they're supposed to be. Again, this is super annoying, but that the cultural situation that we have today is not the same as that in the parable. What these individuals did was against social norms, offered insult to the master, and caused anger and perhaps embarrassment. Knowing this, I then ask us this question. Where have we been the ones to offer such excuses, to offend, to insult? God, once I get through this week, I promise I'll be better at listening to you. It's just that oh, this week has been filled with meetings. It's just that it's a really busy season at work. It's just that my family and I are on vacation this week. So, so later, once we get back, God, it's just so, I'm just so tired right now. 
Now, don't get me wrong. Times do get busy. Some seasons are tougher than others. Plans come up and exhaustion happens. These are perhaps unavoidable. Right now, I'm in my last few weeks of seminary, and I'm pretty tired. There's a lot of projects coming up. That happens. But what I hope for us is that we can be aware of the times that we use such things, such excuses, to say no to God's invitation to us. After hearing of these excuses, we turn to the master of the house, the host of the banquet, a banquet he's just been told won't be attended by many of the people who had previously said yes. Anger begins to bubble up, and I honestly don't blame him one bit. A lot of work has gone into making this banquet happen, and those who should have been coming through the doors are no longer doing so. Now, I don't want to linger for too long on the character of the master, it's worth sympathizing with his plight, and maybe some of you are already thinking, man, I've, I've had a situation like that before. Yet of all the characters in this parable, this is the God figure, the one we associate with God. And I'm hoping that at the end of today's message, we can see ourselves within this story as more than just the host, more than just the character who symbolizes God. But it is still worth connecting with the master, even if it's only to understand his anger and his actions. If you've ever planned or attended a wedding, a big part of the process is receiving an invitation and responding to it. A big reason this is done is that the engaged couple can accurately plan on how much to order, what to set up, to make sure that they can serve you well. And if you have a fancy couple, sometimes you'll even have a specific seat set out for you, maybe even like a fancy name placard. Now, if you turn down a wedding invitation, this in and of itself isn't a big deal. There may be some sadness on the part of the couple, but they no longer have a seat prepared for you. Their expectation is not on your attendance. In the case of my own wedding, people who declined RSVPs, some extended family members, some family friends, it caused some sadness, yes, but it was worked through very quickly. But what impacted me more was the day of my wedding came and there was one or two of my college friends who didn't make it, who said they were gonna be there. Something came up last minute. Now, don't get me wrong, my wedding went out, went, it was perfect, it was wonderful, it was amazing. If you wanna ask questions about my wedding, my, I'm sure my wife would love to share stories with it. But it's these people, these people who are just kind of some good college friends, not my best friends, not family, those are the absences that stuck with me because I was planning on them to be there and they didn't come. And in this parable, that's the kind of excuses we have. Those are the absences. It's not something that the master was able to prepare for well. It was people who the food was ready, the seats were out, and yet they weren't going to come. And because of this, the house is not filled, anger ensues, and something needs to be done. A certain Bible commentary says this, when the servant reports these outrageous excuses to the owner of the house, the master is justifiably angry. Having been rejected by his social peers, the owner of the house decides to reach out to the only other social groups available to him, the poor and the crippled. By inviting such persons to his banquet, the snubbed host would also be issuing an insult to his family and friends. Their esteem and approval no longer matter to him. <laughs> and since their approval of family, friends, and social equals no longer was much of a concern to the master, the invitation to the banquet extends outward. It extends to those often overlooked, those who often we pretend as if aren't there, the ones we sometimes deem as less than. 
The master doesn't really care who celebrates with him. He simply cares that the house is filled to capacity. The poor, disabled, blind, and lame are invited into the banquet hall to enjoy a feast that, although prepared for others, is now theirs to eat and enjoy. What a beautiful God that we have that cares so much for those that our society oftentimes doesn't. They have the invitation, just like, th- just like us. Yet in this parable, it's only them who are in the house. And even, even greater is the fact that in reality, God's invitation extends to this group of people, in fact, all peoples, right off the bat, not just in response to some refusing the invitation. Now, this parable is rather specific about who the servant goes to invite. And maybe some of you are thinking, well, I'm not poor, blind, lame, or disabled. So clearly these characters are not where I fit into the story. And maybe that's true. But for some of us, I think that within this parable, we can extend, we can add to the list of the newly invited. Perhaps not only just the poor are invited, but those who are financially anxious or struggling in the current moment to pay a bill or two. Perhaps it isn't only just the blind, the lame, or the disabled, but those dealing with chronic health concerns or dealing with mental health struggles. Perhaps in this group are the lonely, the downcast, and the brokenhearted. Friends, are you one of these people? There is no shame in associating yourself with this group of people. In truth, this parable should bring about great celebration, for it's this group of individuals who receive the good news, who are brought to the master's house, eat his food, and share his table. For it said, go out quickly into the squares and the streets of the city. And those who are poor and disabled and blind and lame, bring in here. Compel them to come in so that my house may be filled. Now at this point, we've looked at the excuse givers, the master, and the newly invited. Perhaps at this point, you've been able to see yourself as one or more of these characters in the parable. Our excuses might not be the same as the ones in this story. And honestly, if you're using the same excuses as this parable, that's a little bit weird, but to each their own, craft whatever excuses you want. But I'm sure that there are many of us in this room who have had certain things get in the way of accepting God, whether in small ways or big ones. Additionally, although many of us may not be the poor, lame, disabled, or blind, we may be in some distinct ways the newly invited, which is worth celebrating. Yet each of these two groups of people are in fact invited to the banquet at one point or another. The emphasis of this parable is on this fact. All are invited to come to the table, and we must respond to this invitation in a timely manner. You see, this parable doesn't have a fairy tale ending where all live happily ever after. Some fail to respond, and the doors are closed. This is the final verse of the parable. For I say to you that not one of those who were invited will taste my banquet concerning those who offered excuses. Congregation, let us not wait till the last minute to accept the invitations that have been offered to us. Let us respond now. When we're called to send in an RSVP, let us do so putting the date on our calendar and making sure that nothing takes us away from all that we've committed to. And this leads us to reflect on the last character in this story, one that is already fully committed to the master, 
participating in his work to fill the halls and tables with those who have been invited. No matter who you see yourself as in this story, or if none of the above groups stood out to you, I hope that we can all be a little bit more like the servant. At the time of the banquet, the master sends out his faithful servant to let everyone know that the dinner was ready and they were to come with all haste so that the banquet could begin. Now, I don't know how far this servant had to travel in this story, but in my numerous readings of the text, I kept picturing the servant had to run far and wide to bring this good news. Maybe a mile to the city square, another mile or two to some of the rich, wealthy landowners on the outskirts of town, another mile to pick up some of the straggling houses along the way, and then back to the master's house, only to be sent out again. And each time they come back just a little bit more exhausted, ready to rest, ready to take a break. And whether or not this servant actually had to travel all that far in bringing this news, it doesn't change the fact that this is a difficult task. It's hard, it's exhausting, and it's a crucial one. Upon being sent out, the master's servant faces rejection after rejection, most likely due to a lower social status than those they came into contact with the servant simply had to accept their refusals, all the while knowing the disappointment the master was going to feel. Yet the servant takes these refusals, brings back news to the master, faces the anger, and gets sent out again and again until the hall is completely filled. Congregation, is this not the task that we have been called to as well? The master, God, gives his servants the good news that the time has come and sends them out to deliver the message with all urgency. The Great Commission in Matthew tells us that this is our task. We have been given the good news, the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and are called to bring it to the ends of the earth. The servant in this passage does as they are commanded and due to their work, the house is filled. Within our Bibles, God uses the heroes of the Old Testament, the disciples of the New, and us, the church of today, to do this work. Make his name known and let everyone know that the time is now. Last week, we looked at a perfect example of this work. Mary and Martha, bringing good news to Christ's followers of his resurrection. Good news that Jesus was exactly who he said he was. Friends, may we, like the servant, not hesitate to do as the master has called us to do. The invitation is an urgent one and needs to be answered. May we not simply be content to answer this invitation on our own, but go out into the lanes and roads, bringing along everyone who will follow us, anyone who will listen. And friends, let us not be discouraged in this goal. Rejection will come. Exhaustion may occur every once in a while, and other times the task may seem too much to bear. But let us be diligent and unceasing, willing to be sent out over and over and over again until the house is completely filled and we can rest in the house of our Lord. We have looked at each of the characters in this parable, the ones who offered excuses, the master, the newly invited, and even the servant, each of, this, each of these characters has something to teach us and hopefully leads us into some moments of healthy reflection. Where have we been the ones to offend and embarrass? How might we be refusing God's invitation to be his children?
Where have we been the people in the streets waiting for an invitation to be known, loved, and welcomed in? Where have we been God's faithful servants, open and honest with our Lord, with a willingness to be sent out over and over again to be bearers of his good news? Congregation, where are you today? Whatever your answer to that question may be, in this moment in time, let me offer this piece of assurance. God has invited you to the table to eat of his banquet and be present in his home. Although we're not having the Lord's Supper this morning, may this parable remind us of God's invitation to come to the table together as one body to partake of him and be fed. Congregation, we have been invited. How are we to respond? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.